Morning, everybody. Mike Geary here for the Geek Pride Cast on this Sunday evening. Uh, with me tonight, we have the usual face, and we have another guest. Uh, so first up to our usual face, we have Peter Ray Allison. Good evening, everyone. And our guest tonight, uh, John Dodd. Well, good evening, man. Good evening, Peyton. How are you? Yes, not bad, not bad. Um, we're, we're going to be proverbially uh, swinging her sabres around later, by the way. We decided that's... Uh, For now. <laughs> it's definitely not a euphemism. Um, <laughs> but, um, okay, so, uh, John, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Um, well, um, John Dodd, author... Um, well, the back of the business card says author, barbarian, conventioneer. And I think that about sums it up. It's simple as ABC. Couldn't think out what the B was. Asked my wife. She said barbarian. I went, yep, that's fine. No problem at all. We'll go with that. <laughs> uh, I, I hope with more conventions than I care to mention. I run two or three of the buggers. Um, just like making spaces where people can enjoy themselves. It, it's all about that bit at the end of the con when everyone's going home with a smile on the face. And that's just, yeah, perfect. Um, published the first novella this year earlier on, which was just had water from Luna Press. There's a novel due out next year, Ocean of Stars, again, Luna Press. And I've, I've worked on several game systems, just, just discussing with Pete. And I um, worked on Slay Industries way back in the day, for a line developer for a while. Worked on Homeworld, which was absolutely <gasps> no way. brilliant. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant. Love that. Absolutely wow. love that. No way. I loved Homeworld. Yeah, it was just wonderful. I got to work on the chapters that I really wanted to work on, which was really, really, really cheerful. Um, but most of the time it's conventions. So yeah, I fed the writing in where I can, which is every other minute. But there we go. So. All right. So, oh, lots to, lots to talk about then. So, um, oh, where do we start? Um, okay, start us off with um, your, your 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 novellas and your, your writing then. So, um, mm. the the book that's sort of uh, you've just published. Uh, maybe talk about mm. the uh, one that's um, coming out as well. Actually, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, just had water was a novella. So, Luna Press uh, Francesca did a bit of an experiment this year with novellas where she was decided to go for six different novellas, wildly different subjects. Um, and I do mean wildly different subjects. Um, with an idea to seeing the more short form of stories is becoming more popular with a lot of people. Because believe it or not, despite all of us being at home, we have less time somehow. And so actually being able to have something where you can get it, finish it in a day, enjoy it, and maybe come back to it later whilst it's still a full story it's actually becoming more and more popular. So thought I'd give that a try, and uh, mine got through. Uh, Just Add Water is, its I would say it's a space opera, but it's a short space opera. So it's a space aria, perhaps. Um, <laughs> um, and the idea is that uh, humanity has gone to the stars. Now, you can't go to the stars as we are because you're just not going to make it. So instead, you turn everybody into dried packets of um, nothing, you find a world where you can drop them into an ocean, just add water, that reconstitutes the humans, but they feel an affinity for the world they dropped into because they were made from the water of that world. Ooh, what an amazing idea. That's, well, that's uh, a thought. Uh, that's so good. Um, Except they arrive at the chosen world in question to find out that the ship's actually engaged in nuclear war with the surface. And there's a sudden moment of, uh, that's not right. We don't even have nukes on board. Except we do. And this isn't the first time we've done it. And then it's what happens after that. And, you know, the discussion, which it's a strange thing because a research part of that one, one of the characters has stayed awake for all the time that they've been in space, which is literally thousands of years. 
So I did the research on what increased isolation would do to people before we ended up doing all the things that we're doing right now. Right. And it said, yeah, the, the problem behind it being is you lose track of time if you do the same thing again and again and again and again and again. But that in turn means that your brain also doesn't overload because if you stay in the same routine, you don't ever do anything else. It's when, as we're finding out now, you come away from that and you're suddenly doing all the things again and your brain's suddenly going, whoa, hang on, there's all these things. How, how do you cope? How do you cope? But of course, this character in the story has never had that. They've just done the same thing for thousands of years. Whereas one of the other characters hasn't and they've gone a little bit... But yeah, so uh, that was that one. I, I mean, just add war. I wrote that in twelve days. I loved oh, every wow. bit of that book. I just, I absolutely loved writing that book. Um, and the one coming out next year is Ocean of Stars, which conversely I hated writing. This is one of those ones where you send it away and you hope that people will actually go, "Nope, you know something? I don't like that one," because then you don't have to do anything else with it. Oh wow! So but as it turns out, Francesca loved it, but it was too short. It was only about fifty thousand words. But I saw her at an Eastercon, good grief, um, would have been two years back, One, two, uh, two years, yeah, 2019, um, two and a half years back. Um, and she said, I really like the story, but it wasn't long enough. I said, well, does it help that it was originally going to be a three part, you know, a trilogy of, of books? She said, have you got the ideas for the other three? I said, yeah, no problem at all. She said, could you get me them by next year? I went, yeah. She went, right, we'll have that. <laughs> Damn it. I, oh, oh. <laughs> I hated writing this thing. <laughs> yeah. So why, um, why, why did you hit writing so, it? Why did you hit writing it? It, it was a weird one. I, I did um, in 2014. Well, in 2013, I, I was with a group of writers and they said, um, you know, you could write so many more words than you are. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, you could probably write a million words in a year if you wanted to. And they went, no, no, that's too many. You can't possibly do that. I went, no, nah, you know, you know so I, I think you could. So I did the maths. It's 2,875 words a day, every day, no matter what. And if you miss the word count, you've got to make it up the next day. <laughs> that number's never going to leave me, ever. <laughs> ever. So I thought, 2014, that'll be the year. No problem at all. I will write a million words of new content in one year. So I did. Um, can't recommend it. Let, let me be clear, can't recommend it, but um, I finished The Shift, which is a full novel, uh, World War Wolf, which is a full novel. Uh, I have a little thing on the side there, uh, In Iron Cloud, which is another novel. Oh, yeah. Um, 27 short stories, 47 opinion pieces, a variety of other stuff. Um, and it, it was, I remember it very clearly, it was Christmas Eve at 12.07 in the afternoon. Oh. 12.07 in the afternoon. Um, and I, I suddenly realized that I'd gone over. And I deliberately deleted the words in question, called my wife in, typed up the remainder and went, done. And then wrote another 8,000 words over the last couple of days because actually I couldn't stop doing it now. Um, but yeah, we ended up having six different novels out of that. Which, and are again, these are these ones that are literally uh, to be re released to come, or no, nope, not yet, not yet. Um, it, it's taken me two years to edit all of them. All right, okay. So, yeah. took me two years to edit all of them. 
Then I started sending them out, and in the meantime, I was still doing conventions. So um, there's um, if you type in Million Word Man on any search engine in the world, I'm the top ten hits, but the top one will be the blog where I recorded all the stuff that I was doing. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So million, um, million Word... Million Word Man. One wow. word. Uh, it goes without a shell. Very well. Million, all one word, is it? All one word. Million Word Man. Uh... Ghost without a shell. We got oh John, there you are. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and then this is the thing. It just yeah. You you don't realise quite how easy it is to do search engine optimization when you've wrote that many words. Oh we got, we got and that many blog posts and that much everything else. Um You got yeah. one here. It says dyslexic friendly books for adults. Now I am dyslexic. So um <laughs> is how how is this how does how can uh, writing be dyslexic friendly? Um, honestly, I don't know, but that was a project that I backed because I believe in it. Yeah. Are you dyslexic yourself? No. No. Yeah. I, well, I, rephrase, not that I'm aware of, right. but... I, I'm dyslexic, I by now. and uh, it's it's a massive pain in the ass. I love reading, mm. and I love writing and stuff like that, but it, mm. it it's problematic because when I read stuff, I read things that aren't there, uh, yep. or you know words don't make sense and i have to reread stuff over and over so i'm a slow reader uh mm. i've got to the point now where i do audiobooks and stuff because i just it's a good call yeah, yeah. It, it, it it means i'm not having to reread things over again that being mm. said i uh, sometimes i find myself zoning out and i have to re-listen to parts and stuff but uh yeah, but if it's not doing it right though i mean if the audiobook hasn't got the right people doing it you're gonna zone out i mean i, I don't know if you remember the uh the batman uh the bbc radio playback from the early 90s nightfall yeah my God, that was stunning. You couldn't turn the bugger off. I had it on cassette. You just you couldn't turn it off. You just listened to it and listened to it. It's brilliant. Yeah, and it, the, it's going back to the whole, you know, if you've got the right people doing it, you'll get the interest. You'll always get the interest. Um, do, do you have any audio books of yourselves? Um, Nightfall. Um, there's a few other bits and pieces, but for the most part, no. No, but I mean, like your your works. I mean, uh, oh, no, 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 not yet. No, no. It's just oh, yeah. we, we discussed this on one of the uh, one of the other podcasts and stuff about having good sort of um, narrators slash actors mm. in your well, it's it's, it's a, a narrator, I guess, in in your in your audiobooks, and they really make a difference. Now we um, like I'm currently listening to Joe Abercrombie's um, The Blade Itself trilogy at the minute, so I'm on yep. the, I'm on book two, uh, and the 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 um, the guy who's narrating it, which name completely. I can't remember at this moment. Mm-hmm. Time really good, and I listened to the Horace Heresy uh, series. And um, if if Jonathan Keeble's not sort of narrating it, then basically I'm not interested. Jonathan Keeble's so good, um, but mm-hmm. you get sort of ones like what's it? we had. Um, let me just check. Where, let me where's where's my books? Let me get my books open here. So um, we had. Um, Oh, name's gone, completely gone. Where is it? Here we are. Yeah, uh, we had Gareth Pyle on, and mm-hmm. uh, he had um, his, his his books, um, which I hadn't got, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm interested in these. Um, uh, I'm just trying to find which book it is. Where is it? Where? Oh, yeah, that, 
Oh, the sci-fi one. Yeah. Yeah, his sci-fi one. Yeah, so we got... Uh, it's not Fleet of Knives. What's the first one? Where's the first one? I had it. I was obviously listening to it at one point in time. Um, but, uh, yeah. Sorry, one of his books. Because he came in and he was talking about it. Great guy. Amazing author and stuff. And I just couldn't get into the audiobook. It was so badly narrated. It was just like... Mm. It was... It was like, and I'm not sure if it was meant to be because it's sort of futuristic. They had this sort of very monotone um, lady mm. uh, who everything sounded like it was a question at the end of it, you know. Yeah. And I'm not sure because it was meant to be like, uh, you know, it was intentional like that, but it was just mm. so bad. I got to the point where it's like, I can't listen to this. I'm just going to have to buy the books and read them and stuff yeah. because I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm literally, now, yeah. granted, I've had ones when I was uh, Pierce, Br- um, Pierce Brown's um, uh, Red Red uh, Rising trilogy. Mm-hmm. Is it, it is Pierce Brown, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm horrible in the name. Sorry. Uh, or, uh, yeah, Pierce Brown. Um, his Red Rising series. I was mm. listening to them and it starts off with this really bad, like, well, no, it, it's like a pro, it's not bad. It's a proper, you know, uh, Irish accent sort of like right. from the, from the Republic sort of thing. Cause obviously they're meant mm. to be, um, the Mar, the Martians are, are sort of, and the red cast is, is are meant to be from, um, you know, come from Ireland effectively. Um, oh, so you've got this really, well, like, it, it's a really good sort of, you know, if you've never read it or listened to mm. it, um, the red rising, there's six, there's five books at the minute, three from main trilogy and the second trilogy sort mm-hmm. of ongoing. Awesome. Really good. But, um, mm. There's, uh, it starts off with this Irish sort of like proper biggity bong sort of like, you know, um, Irish accent. And I'm just like, I don't know if I'm, I like this or not. It's very, Mm. uh, it's just not what you're used to when it comes to sort of books. And it was kind of putting me off, but then Mm. he sort of, his character, the character in it, uh, Darrow, um, sort of evolve, you know, gets made into one of these new, they called Golds, current into cast, and his accent sort of yeah. slightly uh, switches to a bit more sort of kind of, a bit more of a firm sort of um, noble uh, type mm-hmm. accent, and uh, it, it, you know, it gets a lot better from that point on. But it was just like mm. this that, that accent at the start was just like uh, the, the point at which it could pull you out, though, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah, and it was just like I don't know if I, can, I, I I'm, I'm glad I parted through because it was just like you know, it, it's, it's it obviously gets a lot better. I know it's intentional because he's meant to be this sort of kind of working class sort of mm-hmm. miner who 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 basically they make mm. into this sort of um sort of superhuman effectively, but um. Yeah. Yeah, and that Gareth Pyle one and stuff. I was just like, oh, I really want. To, I re-, like it sounded awesome, and I'm 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 going to buy the books, but mm. it's just the audio was just. Oh, I was doing my head, and I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't stick through it. I, I had it on. I was like, I'm going to par through mm. this. I was going to par through this, but I couldn't. Yep. It, it was doing nothing for yep. me, and I had to stop. I used to listen to a lot more of them when I was uh, having to travel to work, because this has basically been my office for the last year and a half. Yeah. Um. So every work that I do for anything that I do is done in here. So seven days a week, I'm in here, which is a problem at the best of times. <laughs> but um, but I used to, I mean, my actual workplace is 37 miles from here. So on a morning, generally, it takes me about an hour to get in. Well, that's an hour to get in. That's an hour to get back. No problem at all. There's an audio book right there. You can do one a week at that rate. No trouble at all. Yep. But when your daily commute involves walking down the stairs. Yeah. 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 You know, I- I find I don't sort of like I get um I, I go into work now once a week um mm. on Wednesdays and stuff so that's when I stick on my audiobook so I get the train yeah. um and generally I've, I've got it on go on my iPhone so when I'm in the car it automatically 
starts playing whenever I'm sort of in the car driving places mm-hmm. and stuff. But yeah, I I I, di- I definitely didn't have as much sort of audiobooks when I was sort of well working from home and stuff like that. Only <laughs> when I'm sort of painting or doing sort of like nerdy things that don't need any sort of kind of mind power, then um, yep. I, I stick it on. But uh, yeah. yeah. John, do you have like have a day job as well as like all the organ- organizing of conventions yeah, 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 yeah. and writing? Ha- yeah. Okay, and well, as well as writing a thousand words, say a million words um, a year. Well, <laughs> that one year. That one year. That one year. <laughs> yeah, I, I managed five hundred thousand a year after that, and then I got down to regular levels after that. So, right. saw the light. You know, there's that moment of doing too many conventions, can't do this, and that, and that, and that. And expect them to be any good. So, uh, yeah. measured expectations, I think, was the phrasing. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I um, my day job currently is I do two days a week uh, at, at my day job, not the other seven, just the day job. Um, I work Saturday and Sunday, twelve-hour shifts. Oh wow! Uh, but I keep trucks on the road. So if you ever see something broken down by the side of the road, anything HGV, so three and a half tons and up chances are it's my company that's actually putting it back on the road okay um which makes for interesting and people say you know why don't you get stress running conventions i'm like yeah you've got no idea what i do in my day job (laughs) (laughs) this 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 ain't nothing compared to what i do in my day job so you know because people come into conventions want to enjoy themselves whereas people on my day job really don't enjoy themselves (laughs) yeah Well, see, yeah, well, that's sort of a good segue onto um, the the conventions and stuff. So, um, mm. how did that come about? How did sort of convention organization and stuff come about? Ooh, right. Well, um, way back. I mean, we go back to mid nineties, early to mid nineties. Uh, went to GenCon UK uh, all the time back. Um, really quite nice. Uh, really enjoyed it. First time that there'd really been places where you could go. Because, you know, I mean, I'm 1973 born, so the concept of conventions out the window. That happened in America. And then suddenly the Gen Con UK is like, right, okay, so we'll go there. No problem at all. Largest thing I've ever been to. Uh, I realize now it wasn't that massive, but at the time, really was. Millions of people. Look, there's, there's geeks everywhere. Brill. I'm not alone. <laughs> That'll do. Um, I've always been a GM, so I always run games. Um, we had a, a group of people called Team Eight because there was eight of us, uh, and we went from convention to convention, and we offered role-playing games, and we just turned up and ran games for people because that's what we wanted to do. Um, so when James Wallace brought Dragon Meat back, we were the ones who offered the games at the first one. Every year thereafter, we came and offered those. When UK Games Expo came about. We went there, offered games there. Um, you know, within two years, they said, do you want to do that, you know, for all the games that we do? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. No problem at all. So I did that. Uh, Dragon Meat got taken over by Modiphius in 2014. Uh, Chris Birch came to me before he'd actually got it and said, look, I'm going to be doing this one. Can you run it for me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. No problem at all. And we've grown it from... Eight or nine hundred people to thirty-five hundred people. Um, we're we're outgrowing where we are now, and it may be that we have to go to Excel in the short future. May not be next year. We don't know because this year is going to be a bad benchmark. You're not going to know 
how things are actually going to be. Yeah, of course. Because the numbers are going to be skewed either way, whether or not anything gets cancelled, whether it locks down again, whether it doesn't lock down again, whatever the hell the merchant bankers are up to, who knows. Um, Yeah. Yeah, If there's a frustration in convention life, it's whatever the government's doing at the time. Um, I never realised Modifius owned Dragon Meat. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, Ostensibly they own half of it now, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically what happened was uh, Chris went in with a uh, a silent business partner, uh, Jonathan, top lad. Um, But Jonathan, um, he's in his 80s now, and he he basically said, I've I've had enough, Um, you know. And it's basically me running most of it. Chris helps with a lot of the stuff. He does all the, the marketing, the websites, and all the other stuff. But the operations on the day is me. And Jonathan just said, well, look, I, I, I want to get out. Do you want to take the other side off me? I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll absolutely do that. So it's half it if it's half me. Um, and, yeah, basically we just never bothered rebranding it because it's always been Dragon Me. It's always London's Cone. Um, and it seemed wrong to change it. I it's know it was Modcon yeah. last year, but, you know. Yeah, it's got it's got recognition now, hasn't it? Dragon Meat yeah. is synonymous with role-playing games. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, you know, we, we grow more and more every year. Um, we had 130 separate games available last year, which was cheerful. Um, in some of the slots, we were running more than Expo does, which, again, cheerful. Um, but, of course, role-playing and running at conventions and everything else, with the pandemic... You don't know where that's going. There's a lot of people who've literally come away from that and decided to go, actually, no, I'm okay. I've got Zoom. I've got Skype. I've got everything else. I can sit in my own house. I'm safe. And I can still play games with people. Whereas there's a lot of people going, nope, I am desperate to get back to rolling dice with people around a table. And it's it's finding the balance between the two. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't think we'll find balance this year. I think we'll know yeah. where we are next year. But... So how how did you find uh, UKGE this year? Because obviously Pete went as well. Um, how did how did how did you find it with the sort of the restrictions and and um, how was it? Well, it wasn't a problem. Um, we had so we had a moment where we we opened the doors. Um, and, and presuming you've seen Jurassic Park, yes, you know that bit where they say they're flocking this way. Yeah, yeah, that bit. So there's always that bit where the crowd first comes rushing at the gate. Um, and we're all stood there. We open up the main gates. So I open up everything else. We go to open. I'm stood there with everybody else because we've opened up the trade hall first. And as we stood there, there's six of us there on the main front. And we, we just, you know, you just make sure people are there, make sure people are coming in. I said to anybody, look, if you suddenly have a moment of, I can't cope with this, step back, step behind the barrier. It's fine. Don't worry. The rest of us will pick up on it. No worries. After five minutes, one of them just glanced across and went, yeah, I remember doing this. This is not so bad. And I think a lot of it was that we had um, the COVID wristbands. Now, the COVID wristbands were evidence that you'd had a COVID pass. You've got a COVID pass. You've been certified as cleared. You're good to go. So as people are approaching the, you know, pushing the main stand, we're going, look, show your bands. Now, the second people held their arm in the air and everyone around them went, everyone around me has got one of those. I'm safe. Everyone suddenly speeded up. And you saw the reassurance of that. It, that paid dividends. And I think, if I'm honest, I, I couldn't tell you with certainty, but Friday was reasonably quiet. 
expected it would be. I think there were a lot of photographs taken of Expo reasonably quiet. A lot of people went, that's quiet. Excellent. I'm going. Which, of course, then turned Saturday into a everyone's there. And then there were a lot of pictures of Saturday going, everyone's there. And everyone went, nope, I'm not going. <laughs> and so Sunday was quiet, which it's a bit of a weird one. I think Dragon Mate may have the same where you take photographs in the morning. It says it's fairly quiet. A whole bunch of people go, fantastic, we'll go. And then they go, ah, it's not quiet at all. It's like, yeah, um, there's yeah, no I, way around that. I was there Saturday, like, mm. in in the middle of it. Mm. And it felt busy, but mm. not packed is the best way to put it. Yeah. And, like, I've been, like, for walls for the past 18 months, and I had a whirl of a time. I mean, me and my friend PT were just, yeah, chatting away. Maintaining safe distance between everyone, lots mm. of elbow bumping with various people I hadn't seen for two years. Mm. And it's just great to kind of see people in person, like yeah. Jared, Angus, and so on, yeah. and just talk to them, masked up, wristbands on, but it was fine. And what was telling for me is like apparently there was a few people had been pinged after the event, but no one subsequently tested positive for COVID. Basically, apparently there'd been one case, apparently. This, um, this is what I'm hearing about from secondhand. But apparently there'd been cases where someone had been pinged. But, um, mm. And then subsequently, but they had been subsequently tested negative. Mm. So what? So your uh, policies in place were working and were working very well. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. I mean, yeah, it, unless you're literally sitting down with people who've got it. Yeah. That's, that's the only transmission we've seen. Is then literally people were sat down opposite people who had it, and you know without you sat down yeah without a mask because you sat down for a meal or something similar. Fair enough, no problem at all. Yeah, that occurred. But if you weren't, if you just came in, you still got your mask on. You walk around the show. I mean, don't get me wrong. Expo was far more distanced than it normally would have been. Exactly. Yes. Four meter wide aisles, which is impossible for pretty much any other show. Yeah. You need the NEC to be able to do that. Um, but. Obviously, four meter wide aisles, it means people can walk around. There's no bunching up on stalls. Everyone can move to things. Everyone sat down. The traders may not have masks on, but they're two meters behind the stall. And most people aren't staying for more than two minutes. Everyone's wearing masks. We had, I think, nine cases where someone came up to the thing and said, uh, I'm not wearing a mask. Uh, I don't need to wear a mask. You can't make me. And there was a brief smile of, I can. <laughs> no, I really can. Now, off you go. Out the door. Go get a mask. Then you can come back. Don't have a mask. Not coming in. Yeah? Those people who had exemptions, yep, fair enough. No problem at all. In you go. Nothing I can do. We ain't going to stop it. No trouble whatsoever. If you're exempt, you're exempt. That's how it is. You know, some of our staff were exempt. It's how it is. Everyone else, FFP3 masks, which I, I can't recommend because, my dear Lord... You, you realise when it's a good mask because you suddenly find out that it's welded to your face. And if you've got a beard, that's not so bad because actually the beard cushions some of the impact. But the rest of it, when you're breathing hard, that thing will pull to your face as if it's a... It's it's like wearing a face hugger all day long. So, you know, I can't recommend it, but you know something? They work. Yeah. And, you know, no yeah. cases from the traders, no cases from anybody else, no... No real massive surge of people, you know, seven days later going, oh, yeah. dear Lord, I've caught it. And it's like, yeah, actually, that's how it should be. Yeah. You know, so 
I mean, yeah. also what I found was like you know, pretty much every trader I sp- spoke to there was wearing a mask. Yeah. And I thought that was just great. I mean, like they were kind of just, you know, it was just great to see everyone's kind of obeying the policies yeah. and the policies working. Because like I said, there was no surge afterwards. Yeah. So that afterwards, nothing. People were pinged. Mm-hmm. But and then you couldn't just, avoid it, that. It couldn't, you exactly. couldn't avoid that if you tried. There was a, it was knitting, patchwork quilting or something. There was a quilting show, that was it. Uh, there was a quilting show at the bottom end of the NEC in Hall 5. Yeah. And they weren't enforcing, uh, as far as I'm aware, they weren't enforcing masks. Oh. They weren't enforcing passes. They weren't enforcing anything else. So people to that show could just wander straight in. <laughs> Problem with that, of course, is that people to that show could then wander straight past ours. So chance of you not getting pinged, zip. Absolutely zip, nothing. I mean, for Dragon Meat, we've said masks. We've had a number of people turn up and say, well, uh, that's that's not legal. I'm like, no, it's a private event. I can, I can mandate anything I want. If I say turn up looking like something from Gears of War, you have to. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do that, but you know something? Masks. Masks aren't a hard ask. Yeah. yeah. A lot really of people have said, well, I'm not coming if I have to wear a mask. I'm like, oh. okay. Bye. <laughs> okay. It's that's, your choice. No problem. I, just, but the the good of the many, not to paraphrase Star Trek, but the good of the many, far outweighs the comfort of the few. You know what I mean? And 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 for events, that's what it's about. It's making yeah. sure everyone's happy, everyone's safe, everyone's having a good time. If you can't guarantee all those three, there's something wrong with this picture. Yeah, but, and yeah. to be fair, like wearing masks isn't exactly a bad call. It's not asking you to kind of like sacrifice your firstborn. It was just. <laughs> Put a bit of cloth on your face. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an FFP3 mask. It just has to be a mask. Exactly. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. So, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm currently back on the uh, on the dating scene. And uh, the, the, the amount of people who I've met or talked to who are anti sort of kind of mask and anti vax is, uh, is, is pretty bad. Like, I, I honestly thought, I, you know, in my naivety, did, you know, I, I appreciate there were people who were reticent about it and people who were um, unsure uh, in general, but I didn't realize how many people there were that yeah. really just thought this was a massive government conspiracy to <laughs> control us all. And I'm just like, holy shit, wow, this is yeah, mad. That's, uh, well, I mean, to be fair, I live, I live in South Yorkshire and practicalities. So the second the masks became non-mandatory, most of them came off. Yeah. yeah. Seen the same almost in almost instantly, most of them came off. Funny thing, I went to London uh, a couple of months ago, then a few months after that, to do all the paperwork and everything else for Dragon Meat. But when I'm down there, I get off in King's Cross, look around, there's no one wearing masks. On the underground, there's no one wearing masks. A variety of other stuff, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And most places I went, people weren't wearing masks. You know, and, and knowing, because you know, one of the people who caught COVID at Expo was me. So fair enough, no problem at all. But I know where I caught it. Yeah? Didn't show up until four days afterwards. And I know the person who got pinged, who actually had it, I had dinner with. There it is. Yeah. No problem at all. That's where it is. That's where you'll catch it. Anything else? Not a tiny bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's... um... <laughs> it's, it's, it's a weird one. It is. It's a sir. Yeah. It's it, it's yeah. This the the last couple of years have been 
interest and it's just it's just mad that (laughs) this it's sort of bringing out this sort of something that i thought was um you know northern ireland's pretty bad for sort of strange views and things but you know even there i i I thought like it was sort of america was the sort of bastion of all this sort of kind of conspiracy crazy conspiracy stuff um but recently it's just like it's proliferating everywhere and there's so many people especially here where where i thought we you know we were a bit more civilized than that it's obviously not where it's just like wow it's just Mm -hmm. like it's just mad Uh, and and to the point where like again back on like dating sites and things you have like uh people who refuse to go on dates with people who are vaccinated and it's just like what i don't understand i don't know what what that's that's mad that's actually insane it's just like i don't i don't get it and mm. um, yeah it's just yeah. It's, it's one of those things man it's just it's, it's, it's a viewpoint though isn't it it's it's and of course the other thing is that the the, the... The, the problem inherent with the government that we have is that, let's be fair, they haven't exactly been truthful, shall we say, <laughs> in a great number of things. Yeah. And there's there's the problem. So you've got that whole, all the people who got screwed over in any way by anything this government's done. Yeah. When it's lied or it's done something else. And now they're saying all this and you're like, well, okay, I can see why you doubt them. Yeah. However... And it's that thing of yeah, look, you know, if if you've if the trust in the government has eroded to the point where you don't believe anything they say ever again, ever, that's fine. Vote them out next time. No yep. problem at all. Agreed. No danger. But in the meantime, nothing they say is going to change your opinion on that, and there's the problem. I mean, you know, it, it's increasingly in a time of confusion, and in, in you know, Trump saying that the uh, the attack on the Capitol didn't happen. <laughs> And we're like, no, nah, man, we were there. I've got it on recording. <laughs> Literally, we were watching it happen. Oh, like, no, man. no, 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 that was all fake news. I'm like, no, really, oh, it wasn't. I'm, I'm, I'm watching it I, on I... several different stations at once. I'm watching the same footage. You know, it's... Oh, what a clown show that was. I'm kind of, I'm kind of gutted. He's not in. He's not on par anymore because we dined oh, off him for fucking like so uh, much. He'll be coming back. You watch. Uh, if he ain't dead oh, in the next three years, he'll be yeah, another one of them. Yeah, what, what I loved was like apparently there's going to be a, a UK visit by Trump. And immediately everyone like over, okay, everyone started planning to get American Idiot by Green Day to number one for, for, the, for, the, for the weekend he was here. Mm-hmm. And basically, bec- and, and to be honest, it was hitting everyone downloading Green Day. Mm-hmm. Um, from Amazon, from uh, Spotify, and so on, to the point where he actually backed out. Mm. And that's uh, was... the thing, though, isn't it? I mean, you... yeah, organised media these days—it's—it's—it's it's, it's weaponised. It always has been. But, Absolutely. You know, and then there's there's the worst thing about it, isn't it? If you don't agree with the weapons the enemy's using, well, that's fine. But yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we're, I mean, we live in strange times. Time, we just got stranger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we definitely live in strange times at this moment. And that's the thing, isn't it? So it's it's sort know. of like because I I like a good debate, and I I you know mm. I um I have no problem with people who have different views and stuff. I like I mm. like you know um debating with people. Um, healthy discourse, he- yeah, healthy, yeah, exactly. But it's just sort of it's just it, it seems to be a bit more. 
what's the word? Uh, extreme. Yeah, there's a lot. The left more. is getting further left. The right is becoming further right, and yeah. and compromise has been seen as a dirty word. Yeah, rather yes. than a combining of ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the the idea of being able to converse with someone and possibly <laughs> sway them to a different position. Yeah, has gone out the window. Twenty years ago, you could debate on the internet, and people might see your point. Right now, go on Twitter, say you're wrong. Watch what happens. Yeah, I, I spend... You don't say anything else. You don't have to specify what you're wrong about. Just go on Twitter and type in, you're wrong. That's it. <laughs> 10 million hits. No problem at all. Bang. <laughs> I just wanted to get um, uh, um, trending on Twitter. I spend and a lot of time. Point, though, isn't it? You, on... know, it, it's, you could do it, though. Yeah. yeah. You don't do anything else. Just go in and say, you're wrong. Bam. Firestorm. There it is. If you want sort of discourse, um, you know the the Belfast Telegraph comment section. It's Sky. It's the actually to be honest, Sky News is pretty similar as well. But I find myself a lot in the Belfast Telegraph um, uh, comment section. Not not because mm. I like the the publication. Uh, it's sort of it's just because it's a link back to Northern Ireland, but because mm. <laughs> they're just so incendiary with everything. They don't give a fuck about what they're writing because they just want to get hits and so they throw in stuff they put these articles with really sort of inflammatory sort of statements so you've got one side who automatically kick off straight away the other side yeah. then go oh you're you know there's there's republican flags and there's the union the union flag and stuff flying around like you know like candy everywhere and stuff and there's yeah. angry faces galore and i spend most of my time throwing in hand grenades and things like that on both sides simply because it's so ridiculous it's so insane yeah. but you yeah did you ever see the orville yes, yes. I love the orville it's so good did you ever see the episode with the whole everyone is judged by the popular the popular vote yeah 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 Up votes and down votes yeah 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 and you looked at that, I'd say that episode was superb. Yeah, yeah. You just looked at that and went, you know something? I hope to God it's not in my lifetime, but I can see that happening. Mm. Um, there was another one, uh, was it Black Mirror did a similar one with... Mm. Um, the Pig's Head. No, 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 it wasn't The Pig's Head. It was the one where, oh. uh, what's his, uh, ro- uh, fuck, what's his name? He was in Happy Day, the, the bloody director, uh, Howard, uh, Ron, Howard. Ron, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Yeah. Ron Howard. His daughter... Um, what's her right, name? Yeah, she she basically was just like I mean, it's 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 a Black Mirror episode where she's basically it's all like you know uh, your social standing allows yeah. you to go into sort to of do be- stuff. Yeah, yeah, better places and to get houses and things like that. And yeah. That was a really good and slightly and you, dark. You look at China; it's happening. Really? Yeah, yeah. they've your, already got your, it. There's good citizens. C- citizenship scores. Yeah, that's the one. And if you're below a certain level, you cannot live in certain areas. And you need certain citizenship to travel um, and to get access to certain uh, facilities. I don't understand that. In a a country that's meant to be... Well, yeah, um, China boggles my mind anyway, because, you know, a a communist country with lots of people with loads of money and lots of people in poverty just sort Mm. of uh, mangles my head anyway. But when you've got a communist country where everybody's meant to have equality... And yet, you mm-hmm. have citizen scores. Doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand. So I, I can I can pretty much paraphrase that from the Three Musketeers, the early nineties version. Yeah, Cardinal Richelieu, all for one, and more for me. <laughs> and that's what it is. Because the only party who got it, they set the rules on how everyone behaves. 
it's not a million miles dissimilar from where we are right now in England, God forgive me, but this is where it goes. And if everyone agrees with it, which they have no choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If every Chinese person suddenly said, right, that's it, I've had enough, you're not going to stop that. But equally, you'd have to have every one of them suddenly say, no, that's enough. And almost every human on the planet, you can see it, all, all the humans in the world don't want to cause that level of unrest. They don't want to be the one who starts the war that wipes out everything. Mm. No one does. Those people who just want to watch the world burn, few and far between and probably quite useful for it. But you saw Putin yesterday arguing about cancel culture and how the people with cancel culture should be cancelled and how he was going to take steps towards that. It's like, well... I'm not sure how you're going to manage that, but it's Putin. He doesn't need to argue this. He'll wrestle the bear. And, you know, when he's finished wrestling the bear, he'll go out there, fists in hand, and go, yeah, no problem at all. Whoever wants a piece, you know, which... He, isn't you he know. sort of... Um, he's sort of trying to get... Or he's he's going to get, basically... Uh, um, is it like uh, the B... Oh, fuck, what's... He's got a new title or something. They're going to give him a new title, which basically means... President mean, for life. Yeah, president for life. He's got it. Oh, he's got it, has he? Got it. Yep. <laughs> got it two years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Sneaky, sneaky. Voted in under the radar. No one gets to vote against ever. That's mad. That's, that's insane. Yep. Like, it's just like... Dead man's boots. That's the only way you're getting him out of there. Did you ever I... see Death of Stalin? I mean, I literally just watched it. Literally. I've watched it before, but I just watched Jason it. Jason Isaacs. Yeah. Brilliant. Now tell me Jason Isaacs didn't copy Putin. Man, Jason Isaac, <laughs> yeah. that's hilarious. Is uh, that cart, yeah, brilliant. So I intend good. to represent the entire Red Army at that buffet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, and he walks in with the AK 47s, choose your date for the yeah. dance, and then Brezhnev's all like, yeah, I'll have the tall blonde. And it's just like, yeah, brilliant. Oh, and man. Yet, here we are with Putin doing the same thing. So, yeah. Well, the thing yeah. is, like, I've got. Um, my mate is married to a Russian um girl and she's over here and stuff. And there's this sort of like, it's okay to make fun and have a bit of a joke about it, but there's definitely this underlying, like they know there's a lot of shit going on and stuff. And there's a lot of sort of bad stuff. They just sort of gloss over it because, yep. you know, and he was always really squeamish about sort of, especially when he was there, about being tagged and things on Facebook and people talking to, about it, you know, on Facebook because he didn't want to get sort of, you know, disappeared, basically. <laughs> and oh, was, yeah. It's like, it's, it's mad. It's mad. It's just like, when you talk to them, they're very open about everything being, you know, all is fucked up. Like, I'd love to go yep. to Russia, you know, St. Petersburg or <laughs> Moscow, you know, I'd love to. And, yeah. and there's a lot of sort of like every Russian who I've met, I've met a few of being, you know, great. Um, mm. But it just seems like they just live in this place where there's this like underlying threat that they just sort of ignore or not ignore, just sort of have to live with. Have to live with. It's just mad. It's just so like, yeah. you know, it's mad. And they just make jokes out of it. And it's like the comedy mm. sort of angle to it. It's and, all you can do when you've got that sort of thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you live in these things, you either laugh at it. Or, you know, as, what was the phrase now? You, you either laugh at, a, laugh at life or one day you begin to cry. Yeah. Oof. And when the tears start flowing, it's difficult to turn the buggers off. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. There's like, what was it? There was something, there was, there was this documentary on it. It's basically about the comedy in Soviet Russia 
and how they they basically use comedy as a way to sort of get a, around their sort of their need to sort of criticize the government and stuff because comedy mm-hmm. was seen as a you know it was okay because it was just jokes yeah. and stuff like that it's so just jokes it's just jokes yeah. and so they were they they used yeah. that we're not being serious about this yeah <laughs> you don't have to worry about anything we're saying yeah we're not I, plotting in the background at all have you ever seen that have you ever seen a documentary called chuck norris versus communism no, but I probably will now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not actually about Chuck Norris versus communism, but it's basically about um it's basically about uh it's like Hungary or I can't it's, it's been a while since I've seen it. It's it's an Eastern mm. European uh, city. Um it's yeah. a ta- um country and it's how they use sort of they weren't allowed to have American um american films and so they would all these american films would get smuggled into the country and they had specific people um who are like like super famous now um who would sort of dub these american films and they were all done sort of it was all done you know even like the government would pay for these films to sort of come in and stuff so they can sort of they could watch them and stuff even though it wasn't allowed and it was about those films and the people who Mm. dubbed them over and so you'd have like chuck norris films and you know uh rambo and things like that all these Mm -hmm. sort of kind of action films and it was just about all these people you'd have these sort of like um like little sort of kind of cinema clubs and they'd they'd smuggle in these sort of american films to watch them and stuff and it's a really good documentary but uh yeah Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's it's good though, isn't it? I mean, stuff like that. I, I haven't seen that one, but I have been to the Chuck Norris Cafe. Right, okay. Nice. Where's that? It, it's in Reykjavik. Oh, right, okay. Oh, wow. The Chuck Norris Cafe, literally devoted to Chuck Norris. Amazing. I, I got as far as getting in the door because the entire windows are plastered with Chuck Norris quotes. And, you know, Chuck Norris doesn't do push-ups. The world moves down to accommodate him and all this other stuff. <laughs> And I sort of, sort of glanced inside, saw several people wearing what can only be described as uh, lumberjack shirts and jeans. And there was a sudden moment of, I'm not sure I could stand in here for more than three minutes. There's that brief minute of, a, the irony outside is fine. I'm not sure if I immersed myself in it, I'd ever come back out again. <laughs> you know? I mean, they did the, um, the, the parody of it when Van Damme did the whole splits between the two lorries thing. Yeah. So Chug Norris did the splits between two planes. <laughs> and they've actually someone did a video of it. It's like, oh god, I have a word. <laughs> yeah, but it's lovely. It's the sort of thing that makes you smile. Yeah. I I do that Chuck Norris stuff. I don't know where it came from, but it was just hilarious. This some of the yeah. stuff. They even make a joke about it, I think, in uh the expandables, don't you? Don't they? When yeah. it, he's on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was bit by a cobra, and after several days of excruciating agony, the cobra died. (laughs) (laughs) But it's the way he delivers it. Is that thing of yeah, yeah? Someone probably said that at some point. Yeah. Oh man, Ah, I love that stuff. Amazing. Um, talk. All right, going back to sort of uh, back on topic and stuff. um, Mm. UKGE. Um, Mm. that's a dangerous expo for me. Out of all the expos in the world, the one that had the only one that has been more expensive was San Diego Comic Con. But yeah. UKGE is so bad for my wallets that I, you know, I had to stop myself from going this year. Well, I... it's, it's it's always the way, though, isn't it? You see, and the other thing is, every trader at UKGE this year, every trader that I talked to, everyone that's given feedback, has said they made more money at this show so 21, than they did in 2019 when there were twice as many people. Oh. See, I, I, 
because when Pete was talking about it and saying there was more space, I I hate conventions where you're literally crammed in and stuff. Because yeah. I like to have a browse and I like to sort Everyone of, kind of does. Think, yeah. And so if you're just jammed in, you don't get that sort of you you know because mm-hmm. there's people bump, uh, bumping past you and stuff. To be honest, mm-hmm. UKG has never been really bad. Like I don't remember it no. being sort of you know wall to wall people and stuff. You know there is space, but I could I could see that I could see that if there was more space that people would probably spend more time and then you have a bit more interaction with the tenders mm-hmm. and and with the sort of vendors and uh yep. you know they could sell their wares and stuff um mm-hmm. but yeah uh last time i went i was there uh with the um the, the geek and some guys so the, the the tables the gaming tables yeah yeah, yeah. um and What's i <laughs> said again went to see them a couple of weeks ago Oh, they're, they're really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've got one of their ta- they they mm. I've got one of their tables. Um, they're awesome guys. Really great tables and stuff. But it's mm. like um, I was there with them, and then met up with Pete. Uh, walked around in my sort of um imperial imperial knight from sort of uh, crimson uh, the uh, mm-hmm. empire Star Wars crimson thing. empire yeah. yeah crimson empire sort of kind of um. Uh, cosplay that I made mm-hmm. and then the next day I came back with a suitcase just to buy stuff and I just yep. now, or no that's it I bought a bunch of stuff realised I couldn't carry it all and I had to come back the next day with a suitcase yep. um, so and <laughs> yep. buy more games buy more yep. games right. and I literally came out with literally just I, I, I didn't bring any of my camera equipment or anything I just, mm. brought, I just brought suitcases for all mm. the shit that I was going to buy and uh, yeah. yeah don't think of those games you buy think of it as an investment for the future I can't man <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm getting to the point now where like I'm I'm over and like I've just got I just got uh, Steam Watchers from uh, Mythic came through. Um, yep. uh, the um, what's it? The Mac Warrior. Uh, sorry, um, the Mac Warrior one. Um, the clans, Fantastic. yeah, yep. came out. The Kickstarter just came through, so it's got another room. Right. I um, I just got what else did I get? Um. I've got loads of other stuff coming through and things, mm. uh, and like because Kickstarter is horrible, and it just sort of makes well, me buy um, things, and then I I don't re- I forget about them, and then suddenly I'm in them. You know me. something? I, I tell you what, Kickstarter. I've always held it's not the reward that I'm after. It's when I see someone's got a really great idea, and I just want to help them have that idea realised. And that's the reason why I back Kickstarters these days. It's not because, don't get me wrong, there's a couple of things where I know with certainty they'll deliver. There's big box terraforming Mars up there, no question whatsoever. You know, it's that moment of, yeah, no problem, we're having that, and I know they'll deliver. With everything else, I don't care if it delivers. It's a weird one. And yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what it is, but I've seen so many fall by the wayside over the years. I mean, I've been backing kick. God, it's a decade coming up. What's, you know, what's from your decks of cards to dice to all the other bits and pieces, everything else. Nine times out of ten these days, it's literally I'll, I'll back it at PDF level, back it at something else level, mostly RPGs. And it's mainly because I've looked at it and gone, that's a brilliant idea. Make that. And I love when people have these wonderful ideas and they come up with new concepts and they just try and make it. And I just, yeah. Yeah, I am definitely not like that. I am very much a case of, ooh, shiny thing. I want that shiny thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I back the shiny thing. Uh, and I generally, my Kickstarters are generally two things, tech or board games. Yep. And yep. Um, the tech ones, um, 
always are late. Like, I don't think I've yeah. got any tech that has me. Even these, like, we were talking about lightsabers. Um, yeah. We were talking about lightsabers earlier. The, even these um, adaptable lightsabers I got from Saberforge took two mm-hmm. years to come through. Um, yeah. They took two years to come through. I've got... Um, some other things i'm never going to back i you know there's a lot of stuff that you get from hong kong and stuff and i I just never it never turns up on time and when it does it's not what it says like i got this cool sounding drone with like um like tracking and all that stuff and it was it's meant to be hd and stuff the battery doesn't last very long and the hd camera is not hd and you know it's just it was just bollocks it's a disappointment yeah yeah and it it really annoys me and it's just like so i'm not going to back as much tech on it as you know now but board games yeah Uh, board games board games are reasonably easy if you know what you're doing but the shipping thing may change that so yeah well that's what i'm finding finding at the minute is there's Mm -hmm. so many delays in board games um because of you know because of brexit and all kinds of things all the stuff yeah yeah and it's just sort of um you know, it, it games are like super. Like I'm, I'm forgetting about games, and they're turning up. Like you know, I, I'm trying to think. What's the, like? Uh, I've got one that we saw at UKGA. Uh, Airflix, mm. Airflix, yeah, yeah, which, yeah, um, yeah. Airflix. Um, so I backed that after me and me and Pete um, played a game um, at mm. UKGA. Went, that's a that's a good game. That so I backed mm. it as soon as it you know the Kickstarter yep. came out. Still not delivered yet. I know the yep. guy has been ill um and apparently deliveries are meant to be coming up um yeah. soon but that was 2018 i think um ukg yeah. and still not turned up and, and well I've, I've got one that turned up last week which i'd completely forgotten about um it's called okinawa rush all right it's it's a it's a 2d side scroller semi-platformer but the the characters walk along in the manner of kung fu um what was it now um kung fu master all right. I think it was Kung yeah. Master. So literally, you walk from side to side and batter things. But your characters can do most of the moves from the Street Fighter games. All right. Okay. So there's that whole one. I've got that idea of so I can play Street Fighter against hordes of ninjas. <laughs> that sounds awesome. That was 2017. Wow. It arrived this week. Wow. There's okay. a sudden moment of this is freaking awesome. However, there's that moment of until that point, I had literally. <laughs> Out the window. Every once in a while, I will look in the Kickstarter's file yeah. just to see how many I've backed, just to see how many have not turned up yet, and to see whether or not any of them have got a good excuse. I the but, what, you know. the worst one I backed, um, and I. <laughs> I've packed two versions of it now. The first, it, it was Hero Quest 25th anniversary, um, which was, uh, it's four or five years ago now. So it's nearly, it's 30th anniversary, it would be, but it got cancelled because it got taken off Kickstarter because of the licensing for it. Um, and then it was sort of brought up in Spain. There was different license. So it was sort of, it was run in, uh, I can't remember the name of the platform, but it's a Spanish one. So I backed yeah. that and it went into, um litigation hell uh and it, it yeah. literally it's you know that's 110 quid but i'm probably never going to get back and there's a there's a facebook page that's sort of dedicated to basically getting really angry at these guys and they keep on saying it's going to come it's got 25th yeah. anniversary is going to come and it's like it's not coming and yeah. so i've now backed the uh the recent hasbro one um that's sort of come through but it's been over a year now and there's yeah. nothing coming on that yet and i'm just like i don't want the second hero quest that's not gonna come yeah. three <laughs> and this is why i only back things where i'm sitting there going nope i want you to make that because yeah. then i don't feel bad i mean the, the only kickstarter i've ever not backed that i wish i had 
was Ogre Designers Edition. Oh yeah, is that Ogre the game where you've got that? It's a big game, like, and it's uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a oh, gigantic super battle tank versus various small forces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, nineteen eighties. I've got video cassette sized Ogre over there. I mean, it fits in a box this big. All right, okay. Yeah. The actual things inside it are not any different. The game itself is not any different. But these had um, little like, origami-type things where you had to build the ogres and put them together, and then you had 3D representations of ogres rolling across the field. So how does that game play? Because I, 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 I remember being in... Um, what was it? It would have been like Fanboy 3 or something in Manchester mm. many years ago, uh, and I saw that, and I was like... Well, it looks, I, I like big games. I like mm. big games. So how does that? How does it play? Ogre's lovely. Um, it's an easy system. It uses stacking mechanics. So when you, if you're firing at something, you take all the things on that. You add it all up. You cross reference it on a table. Roll the dice. Job done. See where you go from there. It takes a phenomenal amount of damage to kill an ogre. Yeah, because ogre's this gigantic cyber tank. It's got battle sheets and all sorts of other stuff on it. And the idea is, is that one-on-one an ogre will beat anything apart from another ogre. Guaranteed. It can't not win. But the idea is to get your other forces and arrange them in such a way that the ogre can't wipe them all out. And then play it tactically like that. So it does work as a game. You wouldn't play it too often, which is the reason why I didn't back it at the time. But when you do play it, it's it's wonderful. It's, It's half an hour to an hour. You have a great time. Simple battle game. Job done. No problem at all. Asymmetrical, asymmetrical warfare, basically one Mm. big force against like you know lots of tiny, lots of smaller forces. Yeah. And is it one? Is it uh, one person plays the ogre, another person plays the other force? Is that how it works? If you try and imagine um, like Adeptus Titanicus or something similar, yeah, one person's got a warlord titan. Everyone else is using foot troops. Right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Warlord titan will squash anything it comes into contact with. But it's got to get into contact with it first. Right, okay. So it, it's good. It makes for interesting math. I mean, you can play it with forces against forces. It works just as well. I mean, the, the actual the, the mechanic on it is very elegant, but it's just one of those things where it's literally just a war game. Oh, I do love a good war game, me. <laughs> it's just like... Well, yeah. you know, and it's, yeah. it's good when you get it. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I love playing Epic. Oh uh, man, I just, I just, okay, yeah, I love that stuff. Oh, I, I, I've said this so many times that if Games Workshop brought back Epic properly, I'd probably sell yeah. my sort of regular stuff and go back to it because I bought a load of old school Epic things. Like I've got yeah. boxes of it there, but nobody plays it, so it's, it's, yeah. they're all just sitting there in boxes and yeah. stuff. But I love that game. It was the scale, yeah. as just like how I imagine sort of the scale. Funny. You had to employ tactics. You had to employ other stuff. There was another one that came out a couple of years ago, all quiet on the Martian front phenomenal game it was literally martians versus humans it was brill you've got tripods I've, I've got a tripod over there it's nine inches high nice yeah the the, the to put it in perspective the humans are at six mil scale all oh, right okay so the tripods are literally this big so you've got your humans on the board and the tripods walking all over them it's like this is perfect yeah I love this that. is absolutely perfect and it's wonderful, but they didn't do it in time. And when they did it, they then blamed the the, the backers Ooh. for not backing enough or some other <sighs> silly... Yeah, it was a gigantic rant, and then people went, ah, okay. And by the way, you haven't delivered everything yet, but you're selling it on eBay. Don't think we don't know. Uh, so it's like, yeah. yeah, you know, something you could have just... 
you'd have made money off that. You'd have done well. You'd have just had to be honest with people. This, this yeah. is one of my pet peeves about uh, miniature gaming and stuff. Is like I love good miniatures, um, and I'm very much drawn to games by beautiful looking sort of miniatures and stuff. You know, it, I, I you know I like a good looking sort of mini, um, a- but. One thing that really annoys me, especially games like like 40k and skirmish games, it's just like there's no scalability, and it's like 40k is a, a, an example, a good example of it. Is they started it off as a small scale skirmish game, and then they had sort of like it's epic. You know, Epic was the sort of, you know, the yeah. version where you could go bigger. And then they kind of went, well, we're going to throw all the big stuff into the small game. And then it's just like, but it's not scalable because most mm. tournaments and most games you play are two, 2,000 points. Um, you're mm. lucky to get sort of a couple of squads of marine, uh, you know, mm. a couple of tanks or, or a knight or a couple mm. of knights or something like that. And it's just like, you don't get that sort of feeling of epicness and stuff you're just getting bigger models and fewer of them and it's just like it doesn't feel it whereas if you've got a game that had scalability where you know you can have smaller forces uh and then they can scale bigger and stuff you know it just for me it makes a lot more sense if you want that sort of thing but Yeah, yeah to actually have a battlefield rather than you know, six marines encounter thirty-seven orcs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know, just... It's like, what, what was that? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, no. Nah. And I, when we when we played Epic, and you've got the whole there's a, there's a line of tanks there. Well, that's okay because I've got a Phantom Class Titan coming across the field over here. And it's like, yeah, perfect. That's forty k. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there, you know, there is no take your pick. There is only war. Yeah. You know, it's not by a newspaper. No, there's only war. Yeah. You know perfect you know I, what i mean wonderful stuff like i remarkably always, silly loved it yeah it's awesome you know, all like, the way back to rogue trade in fact all the way back to when they first called it god save the emperor oh shit i never i never knew it first was working called... title all right oh. Oh, white, white dwarf 93 it's, it's in the library somewhere but god save the emperor that was originally going to be the name of it wow I didn't and then know it turned that. into warren Forty Thousand. i'm like yeah okay warren Forty Thousand is a file catchier name but god save the emperor is what it was going to be and I have loved that since it came out. Yeah, like yeah, I was in. Uh, yeah, I had Rogue Trade. Like first, I remember my sort of, you know, I, yep. as, I, as much as sort of um, everyone looks left all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. the, the first ever, like, um, you know, proper. Like my dad was into his historical miniatures and stuff like that, so I've got loads of Napoleonic things and like the the, the old school war games where it's like hexes and little sort of uh, cardboard chits like Battle of the Bulge and. Yeah. and sort of the the winter war and stuff like that so i've got loads of those but um i remember him turning up one day and see i've got a bit of a love hate thing for 40k i love it but yet i hate it and it's sort of like you know i kind of wish they were better at certain things the lore is amazing but um i remember him turning up with this sort of blister pack of these like marine uh yeah well yeah mine's down there my ninth edition's <laughs> down there i've only played two games and considering i do i used to do tournaments and stuff i've only played two i haven't games even played that. one uh, I've only played wow. two games of it. Um, I haven't even got as far as one yet. Oh, right. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I remember him turning up with this sort of blister pack of these like metal, like, they kind of look like knights, but they had guns. Yeah. And then he had this little sort of starter box of Citadel paints and stuff. And I used to just like, yeah, play there. Oh, and here's a book uh, that goes with it. And it's like, it was called Rogue Trader. And I was just like, what is this madness? Oh, it's brilliant. And I was just like, loved it, the idea. Um, and sort of, 
you know, the lore and the sort of the memories behind it. I just love it. I remember going into Games Workshop for the first time ever, just loving, uh, you know, buying Space Marine, the, uh, the, yeah. the, the box, the epic, you know, box and yeah. stuff and loving that. And then it's just over, over time now, it's just like, it's gotten... And I think it's the sort of competitive side of it that sort of made me, as much as I've written articles about it, and it's like tournaments are very much, you know, if you want to be in a tournament, you can't moan about it because that's just the way it's a tournament. You're there to win and stuff. Yeah. So if you're getting your ass handed to you and you're not enjoying it, and that's not your, that's not their fault. That's, you know, you've turned, yeah. you come into a tournament, but it's yeah. because the competitive side of 40K is very much, it's like esports e now. Uh, yeah. And it seems to be the main sort of drive for a lot of people it's the same for almost anything these days yeah yeah you look at any, anything i mean the magic the gathering arena uh on the computer free to play no problem at all but i used to play magic uh hell went to the first world championship when it came through but you play that now and if you play it online no one plays to have fun it's win win yeah. win 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 i'm not going to do anything else I'm just going to win. That's all I want to do. Yeah. The second it looks like I'm not going to win, I quit. Yeah. Yeah, I instantly quit. Um, you see on the StarCraft games, you see on everything else. And increasingly, that's that's the way it's going to be because those people who do play it professionally, those people who do want to make the difference, those people who do want to get the rankings, they don't care about the game. Yeah. I mean, Horus Heresy, I don't know where you are up to in, in the books with that one, but... Uh uh, what was the last one I did? Uh, Titan? No, not Titan Death. Uh, what was Mortis? Mortis? I've just finished Mortis. Oh, okay, so do you remember the first time the Horus Heresy was ever described? Yeah, the, the entirety of the Horus Heresy from, you know, it started to it finished. Yeah. Yeah? Two pages. Right. Wild Dwarf 129. Yeah. Everything was bad. God, it's horrendous. Yeah, it's really, really bad. Mm -hmm. It's really not good at all. Oh, dear. I, ooh, uh, fight. End. Right. There's the Emperor off to his throne. Two pages. Brilliant. I think it's now had, what, two million words? Yeah, at least. Plus? Yeah, well... It, it, 60 different novels, and now there's a, there's a new series I'm given to understand. Oh, yeah, the... Um, which I haven't checked out yet, but it, it's about the story of the Battle on Earth. Yeah, it's Siege of Terror, so that's book five. I'm on book um, book five, or is it book six, <clears throat> Mortis and stuff, so... Yeah. I'm on book four of the first set. <laughs> yeah, the, that's uh, as far as I got. There was a sudden moment of this is going to go on forever. Flight of the Ice, uh, uh, sort of Flight of the Eisenhorn. Yeah, yeah Eisenstein, sorry, yeah. And I loved it, but there's that whole thing of, yeah, but I remember two pages. The thing is, that the, encompassed most of this. The, the, Horus, the Horus Heresy books, I love. You know, I think that, you know, they're the one thing that I, I still, <laughs> and I don't, I haven't, I've got lots of them. And I've read a lot of them, but yeah. uh, and I've got a lot of them on audiobook. But it they don't it, book one to four. You kind of need to read because yeah. they're the main sort of kind of you know the you know the fall of of Horace is where it started going. Back. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so they're 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 must reads and stuff. And I'm trying to persuade my boss at the minute to read them because he's he gets me into a load of books, and I'm like, right, you know, this is super nerdy, but you know, you should you should give these a, a go. So those are the first four, but then there's like there's specific ones within the list of books that you that you read, and I think like the Burning of Prosper, um, the Burning of Prosperous one, mm. Thousand Suns is another yeah. one, um, you know, because I'm a space wolf guy, so Wolf Bane's really yeah. good. Um, there's some, you know, you basically pick a legion, and mm. you you follow them through and you stuff. stay with that, yeah, uh, Dark and then, Angels, and then yeah, yeah, so there's there's a lot of good Dark Angels books and stuff. Like mm. I I've, I've 
I've gone through a fair few of them and stuff, you know, yeah. and there's no, there's a few of them sort of that advance the story. Um, mm. You know, the, oh, fuck, what's the name of it? Um, oh, I can't remember now, but there's, there's a few that sort of kind of, they yeah. advance the story. You definitely read those. And the other ones are just periphery type stuff that are good, to, you yeah. know, the good to read too if you've got the time. Um, yeah, it's good additionals, but it's not actually, yeah. it's like if you were writing the novel of it. Yeah. They'd be the bit that the edit would probably go, you don't quite need that bit. Yeah. That's okay. You don't need that bit. You do need this bit, this bit, and this bit. That bit, however, you segue just a little bit. You don't really need that. Yeah. The only and time- that, that's where I had the problem, because I couldn't keep up with, you know, it's like one a month for the last God knows how many years. And it's yeah. like... Well, yeah. So I, I, I went through a stage of like, I just went on, found a list of the ones that I felt like I needed to, to yeah. list, uh, listen to because I do an audio books and stuff. Um, yeah. And I've got, I've got, you know, the books as well. But, mm. uh, I, and so I've went, read through those and then I've kind of gone back and started listening to this peripheral stuff. Now, yeah. the Siege of Terror stuff, um, you have to watch, you have to listen to them all because they sort of are like literally sequentially and moving on the story and stuff. So, um, but the thing is, there's lots of characters that kind of appear in the the books that if you haven't read certain ones, you go, who's that guy? Who's yeah. this guy? And you have to kind of sort of, you know, either know about them, kind of, you know, in the lore in your own head or... And that's the weird thing, though, isn't it? it? It's almost like it's the MCU before the MCU realized what it was doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Warhammer was there first going, yeah, no problem at all. Right. Do all this... But you've got to read everything to know everything. And now we've got this other bit. And if you haven't read everything else, a lot of this ain't going to mean nothing. Yeah, because but surely though that's bad writing. Because I mean, it's not. If you got to get introduced to characters properly, if it looks like a, a later Marvel film, yeah, when they kind of bring in characters from other films, they make the point of introducing them, yeah, giving them context. I agree. Whilst the, uh, <clears throat> the Horace Harry novels, it's just like. He's this guy. Who is he? I don't know. If you don't, if you've not read that book, that book, and we that presume book. you know exactly, yeah. and that is wrong. Yeah, there's. Oh, I agree. There I is sort of like there's a character in it. Um, you'll have, you'll know about him. Uh, re- haven't read the first book called. Um, oh fuck! It's, it's it's not it's not Garrow, but Garrow's in it. Um, yeah. uh, what? Oh, fuck! He he was one of the Mournerville. Um, so uh, one of the one of the Mournerville Marines. Ah uh, fuck! What's his? What's his name? Logan. Garviel Logan. Uh, Garviel Logan. Garviel yeah, yeah. Logan. Uh, so he, he, you know, spoiler alert, you know, if you haven't read the books, but, you know, so, spoiler alert. If you he haven't gets, read the books, this ain't going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Garviel Logan, uh, he, uh, he basically, uh, in his arc, he mm-hmm. is um, killed for all intents and purposes. You think he's dead. Now, he appears again um, later on. But the thing is, you you kind of need to read some of the Garrow books because Garrow, which is basically a novella, uh, one of the sort of kind of side things, he finds him on the planet that was uh, virus bombed, and he's this character called Cerberus, and basically Cerberus is you know what you know a Gar- Garrow's mad sort of he goes insane effectively, and then sort of has to control himself, and he's basically all the people that he's killing on this planet were actually basically. Um, zombies uh and he actually isn't killing uh, um people but he's killing zombies but the the marines who have garrow and stuff have gone down to try and sort of figure out what's going on thinks that this is happening so it's one of these sort of little side arcs that you don't know about but then if you've ignored those side arcs 
and then you go on to the sort of Siege of Terror books and things like that and looking and stuff's there and you're like, wait a minute, isn't didn't he die? <laughs> and so you have to you'd have to go back and sort of go, all yeah. oh, right, okay, so he doesn't he comes back in the um because I remember talking to my mate about it and he he's massively into his 40k Lara. So he's what he's alive. And I was like, yeah, he's alive. In the in, because- in the Garrow books he comes back and stuff, so you're gonna sort of that's not the way it should be. Yeah. <laughs> that is just bad writing, though. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's so. I don't know if it's bad writing because you've got such a, you've got such a Devoted. wealth of yeah. if stuff. It's hard. You can't sort of. You can, with yeah. that's the one thing they're doing well. They are scaling it so well because there's so many chapters. There's so many. Well, so many legions. So many characters within each legion, and they're all getting a chunk of story and yep. those characters will have to be you know in the end at these sort of points and stuff so it's like one of those things it's like you may not be able to read them all but it's like it's i don't think it's bad right because they're trying to tell the story of something yep. fucking huge something massive yeah. um and it's seen that that was written two pages yeah <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that, that was written in two pages yeah exactly you didn't get the the minutiae if it the weren't minutia. there but you know something bad stuff happened there was a fight on the eternity gate really bad stuff bloodthirsters problems problems horus emperor bash there we go done thing is but i wonder when it's all done and it's settled and the various characters have either been killed or removed from existence or take your pick I wonder how much interest that's going to hold. It's like the Game of Thrones thing. As soon as you realise that character doesn't make it at any point, are you then still going to go back and go, well, actually, because I remember that, I mean, spoilers, Blake 7. Um, I've only ever seen six minutes of Blake 7. Okay. It was the last six minutes. I literally came in, and it's like, right, so... Blam, 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 blam. Oh, bloody hell, this is this is a bit violent. Good grief, what's happening here? And then the Zaven stood there, and you hear lots of gunshots. And I'm like, right, whoa, that was the last episode? I, so everyone dies? I, why would I watch this? The thing is, with 40K, you kind of know what's going to happen, don't you? Because yeah, if you, if you, if you, you kind of know, yeah, so you, you know, you know what's happening. Yeah. You kind of know most of the car, you know, most of the characters. Yeah. Well, the main. And by characters. the time they get to the year forty thousand, it's not going to be a problem anyway. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's like Bjorn the Fellhander, and that's about it. Oh yeah, Bjorn. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, there's such a good book with Bjorn. Uh, it's called. Um, uh, the Emperor's Gift. It's about the Grey Knights yep. and the Space Wolves fighting each other and stuff. And Bjorn rocks up and starts smashing some heads. And I was like, ah, oh, amazing. And the thing is, in the for- and I can't, oh, I can't. Are you ever going to read Prospero Burns? I don't know if you are or not, but um, basically, yeah. So basically, I don't remember it too well because <laughs> yeah. So Prospero Burns um, is a Space Wolves, but so it's basically about uh, Lehman Russ um, being duped by Horus to destroy prospero he's basically saying you know well magnus has gone and broken through the the emperor's wards and fucked up shit and now there's a massive you know war going on with the in the uh, the webway and stuff mm. and it's all magnus's fault uh and sort of instead of sort of you know russ going there to take him back russ is mm. basically told you you need to kill him because he's yeah. turned yeah, to chaos. Shit up. Yeah, yeah you need to kill him and stuff so he's not sort of not knowing that horace had turned and sort of kind of gone yeah. all right okay well yeah but there's a bit in it where one of the, the it's gone through the eyes of like a remembrancer and he's got this 
a character called Bear. He calls Bear throughout it and stuff. And he's like his sort of protector and stuff. And it's basically this guy and how he's go- He's meeting the space wolves and their, their customs and things like that. Awesome book. And then at the very end, um, this demon appears and it basically, you know, because if names are power, and it's supposed to if you mm. know a name and stuff. So he says, I know your name. And he says, Bear. But then, you know, this sort of space marine carries on, like, you know, unhindered and basically, mm. you know, just uh, he, he gets his, his, his hand, gets hurt and stuff. But then he sort mm. of uh, kills this demon. And at the end, he's just like, how, how did that happen? I don't understand. He says, your name's Bear, isn't it? And he went, I never said that. You called me Bear, but it's not. My name's Bjorn. I was like, mm. holy fuck, it's Bjorn the Fell Handled. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. that's amazing. And it's just yeah. like, because he's there. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, wow. And that for me was a massive thing. Because I was like, oh mm. my God, it's Bjorn. Anybody else yeah. wouldn't know because they don't know who Bjorn is. But it's just like, for me, I was just like, ah, yeah. that's awesome. There's that geekgasm that you have. When you have that moment of, that's perfect. Yeah, and yeah. it was just so good. But you just got like, to know everything else before you do it. It's like the... Um, Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And yeah. Cap stood there by himself. Yeah. He suddenly hears Sam. On your left. On, on your left. left. <laughs> oh, my. The, the yeah. cinema went through the roof. Yeah, man. I mean, exactly. literally, you couldn't hear anything. I have got no idea what was said after that. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone was too busy cheering. Oh, man, But it's yeah. that whole wonderful thing of, yeah, off a throwaway two-minute scene at the beginning of Winter Soldier, you've got one of the most emotional pops of the entire series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, but it's setups like that where you've got to be sure that everyone's going to have seen it because otherwise they're going to go what? And I, th- I think that's the thing where you've got things where the following is as fanatical as that, and I don't think there's a, there's a better word to describe it really. But fanatical is how it is. It's the whole yep, yeah, I'll go see everything. Yeah, I'll go mm-hmm. read everything. I'll go do everything, and I'll love it. But in return, I'll get all the highs when I see these things. And I, I think increasingly that's what it's been because it's now it's okay to be a geek. It's okay to be obsessive the about these things. It's perfectly fine. Forty years ago, you'd get battered home from school. <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah. You're like, what? I remember my D and D books getting bent out of shape when yeah. we ran D and D at school, and it's like, yeah, not anymore, son. You know, what I mean? chances are the teacher played. So you know, it is definitely we are in times now where it is definitely more acceptable. Like I, you know, I know it's it's more in the last sort of I would say more in the last sort of like ten years. I think it's started to become a bit more sort of acceptable. But I remember when I started Geek Pride. Um, I remember uh, at the time um, I'd sort of. It, it, like when you're growing up and especially you know you're a teenager and you're you're trying to get girls and things like that and you're like you know it's just like okay this geek thing as much as Failing, i love it there wasn't a trying though <laughs> feeling to get girls let's <laughs> say like, uh so i wasn't you know i i you know i'd always played my dad was a massive nerd and i loved board games and computer games and tech and things like that so you know growing up it was a big thing but obviously when you're trying to impress girls in school and things all they're interested in you know is music and sort of going out and drunk and excuse me excuse me hang on i'm gonna cut you off there yeah i have a daughter who's 13 years old she got 13 a nine years old now yeah and she's into gaming yeah yeah marvel yeah she goes to the games club yeah and yep. plays orcs yep. 
but that's that's amazing but it's like for me that's going now. yeah for, perfect yeah yeah for now perfect that is the way the world should be yeah the yeah. geek shall inherit the earth me perfect. growing up me growing up yeah. there wasn't yeah. that sort of you know or, or i'm walking yeah well <laughs> and i'm just saying you know i'm not saying there wasn't girls out there who didn't like these things and stuff like my sister was a massive gamer and stuff but it's like growing up the girls who you know i was interested in something there was definitely no interest in nerds uh and if you sort of kind of you know i was sort of accepted partially because i was a bit quirky and i was in the rugby team at the time so they sort of kind of went all right you're you're a bit of a dork but you know you play rugby so it's okay um and then i got to the point where i was just like right so i didn't listen to music i want to listen so i was a massively into heavy metal and stuff so i, I stopped listening to that because that wasn't sort of acceptable i i didn't do the sort of um the nerdy stuff and the thing is i found a click which was into metal and things i was like oh brilliant i can be who i want to be but they weren't really into sort of geeky stuff either it was just they were into heavy metal and things and therefore i had to repress the nerdy stuff and i remember going to university and joining the wargaming club there and my mates used to take the piss out of me so badly even in university that was 2000 2001 um and they were still taking the piss out of me for being in sort of a nerdy sort of geek uh thing so i sort of stopped myself from liking well not liking stopped doing it but but there was but there was the world whole world of darkness thing with vampire werewolf and mage which was this massive intersection between the goth and metal community and the gaming community yeah i know but Um, i'm not saying it wasn't there because there was a part of the people who were in my group um were you know in that war gaming group that was in they were into sort of um that one of the first things the first events i went to they did uh it must have been vampire the masquerade or something like that mm, because they were the all one. doing uh but they were doing it live action and stuff so we're doing like yeah. rock paper scissors and rock stuff scissors. Just, yeah to sort of do and like i was just like this is mad how does this work and stuff and i was quite interested but my mates again who were into the sort of same music you know where it's all about tattoos and girls and and, and drinking and stuff and it's like that is wasn't acceptable behavior and so i get i would get absolutely reeled to the point where mm. i sort of distanced myself from it because i was just like oh obviously i i want to mm. be a cool guy and it got to the point where i went through so many years of repressing who i was and like literally mm. sneaking into games workshop now and again to have a look at something or you know maybe buying a, ge- a game inside mm-hmm. or christmas me and my brother would play something and not tell anybody about it yep. and then i just remember going into games workshop in manchester once uh and this would have been how long has Geek Pride been going for? Nearly 2013. 10? Yeah, 2013, sort of. Um, and, you know, well, no, we're, we're older than that, I think. We're, we're like eight, we're nine years old. I think we're about nine years old. Um, and I remember sort of nine or 10 years old. So, you know, we're coming up to our decade soon. Mm. Um, but I remember going in and going in and buying like, it was the Sanguinar. I think it was like the Sanguinar or, or something like that. And sort of like, you know, I was like, oh, fuck, that's an awesome model. And I was just like, you know, I want to paint that and stuff. And I remember the guy turning around to me uh, and saying, do you want like a normal bag instead of the Games Workshop one? Because, you know, and obviously at the time they knew that sort of like people didn't want to be seen with these sort of things. And I turned around to him and I just kind of went, nah, man, just give us the Games Workshop bag. And I I proudly walked out with my Games Workshop bag with my stuff in it. And at that point I went, I don't care. I don't care anymore. I'm not, you know, I'm fucking, I, I don't know which I was then. I would have been, you know, you know, late 20s, early 30s. And I was just mm. like, I don't care. I am, I'm a man now. I'm not going to sort of buy just her peer pressure stuff. I'm a nerd. I'm happy. And then that, like literally that week I started Geek Pride. And I was just like, mm. yeah, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide this shit anymore. That's where the don't hide it, wear it thing came from. And that's why I run conventions. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you're guaranteed when you go there, ain't going to be a one person give you any problem at all. I did, um, there was a slogan I did for uh, Wintercon some years ago. Doesn't matter what world you came from, you're welcome in ours. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. And that's the whole thing. I don't care what bit of geekery you're into. Doesn't bother me one tiny bit. Even if I don't watch it, I don't care. You're entitled to it. Come to that convention, you won't have any problem with it. Simple as that. A nice place to go to. And everyone, at least someone will go, yeah, actually. Because when I came on this one, bet you didn't think you were going to be talking about 40k. No. (laughs) (laughs) Except, here I am, I've been 40k since the beginning of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah, but because we've done one thing, chances are we've done something else and something else and something else and something else. And because it's all good, and it is, you know, yeah, I just like I remember going first conventions and stuff I went to, and just being like, "Oh my god, so many people just like me," yeah. and just being like, you know, I'm I, not alone. Yeah, exactly. It was awesome. Exactly. Like, and I sort of, um, like you know, a lot of conventions have a lot of drama and stuff, which I, yeah. you know, I don't like anymore. You know, I, there's certain ones, especially MCM. There's always drama, always yeah. drama. But um, I. You know, I just went there and said, my God, there's so many people, so many cool people like me who just get me Mm. and I'm talking about stuff and they're not looking at me kind of sneering and stuff. It's like they really sort of interested. They're actually joining in on the conversation and something to say about it. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, it was just sort of like the whole thing was just sort of really heartwarming. And it got to the point Mm. where I remember my first convention and leaving and feeling quite heartbroken about it because I was just like, I was finally in a place People you remember what I said it? about that smile when people are leaving? Yeah. They walk out the door and they're smiling. And it's where you'll find me. At the end of every convention, you will find me on the door. Yeah. Because I want to see people wandering past and they're smiling. They've had a good time. And that's it. And if they haven't, there's that moment of, what could we have done better? Yeah. What, could, what else could we have done? What did we miss? And that's how you keep building a better event. Because every time you do it, there's that moment of, yeah. Actually, every time someone says, but it would have been awesome if you did this, you listen. If it's not possible, you don't do it. But nine times out of ten, it'll probably be possible. Well, I mean, I've always found like UK Games has kind of expanded, mm-hmm. not in terms of size, but scale or <clears throat> options or like, you know, yep. breadth of gaming. It's mm-hmm. always developed and growing from the previous. So, which kind of leads me into my next question like, mm. where do you go? 2022 what's your plans can you say what the plans are for that matter for expo or dragon meat yes both <laughs> both. both expo i cannot say fair enough uh, dragon meat after this year um to be fair we're probably gonna be back at the novotel again we were gonna be at xl because dragon meat 2019 we had more people in there we were dangerously close to regulations at several times right. So we got to the point where we went, look, we've got two options. You can either go to Olympia, and then after four or five years, you, you'll have to move to XL anyway. Yeah. Or you just go to XL, and then everyone knows it's there. And you don't have to worry about it, and you can just build it how you want it. And, and that's what happened with Expo 2013, last year at the Hilton. And I, I think there was something near 7,000 people in a space designed for three and a half. Yeah. Which, yeah, couldn't do it. Next year, it had to be the NEC. Had to be the other stuff. And it, it scales every time. Every time you, you go to a different venue, every time you go to a new venue, your attendance massively increases. Because people suddenly go, ah, 
Well, they were there, and then they went there, and it was brilliant. Then they went there, and it was brilliant. And, yeah, they just believe that because you've managed to get from one place to the next, year one of a convention always makes a loss. No matter what. Always makes a loss. Never seen one make a profit. Year two breaks even, year three profit. Because year one, no one believes it's going to be any good, so no one goes. Year two, a whole bunch of people go, I missed that last year. I really wanted to go. I'll go this year. Year three, everyone's going, it's still here. At it. One that's true. The one thing I really like about UKGE compared to all the other conventions, it, you know, it's the my sort of com, um my, the commerce side of it is that you know because there's so many different um game uh developers and stuff there, you you know you don't get the same sort of um you know it's more it's more based around creators rather than traders yeah this, you get people selling games there that are the creators themselves yeah rather than tr- traders selling on stock so to yeah. speak yeah and it's just like the one thing that's sort of like you go mcm and things like that it's just like pop figures galore everywhere and it's yeah. you know it's just the same thing over and over just we, we sort do of, that with dragon mate we, we love the idea that all the different creators so you get a lot of people doing the the, the geeky stuff the trades the other bits back to the geek and something which i'd nearly forgotten Went down to see them a couple of weeks ago because they're talking about doing RPG accessories Ooh. and other such things, yeah. of which there's going to be some prototypes available at Dragon Meet. All right, okay. Nice. Yeah, they've got like um, I've seen some of the like, like dice towers and like uh, like screens and things it's like that. Yeah, something a bit better than that. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I must do like. Uh, my wife and I are looking to do the downstairs rooms um, mm. next few months, and we do do dining table. I keep going. Well, we do run role playing <laughs> games for the family. A mm-hmm. gaming table would be nice, nice and big. Seriously, table. man, they're you know the they're mm-hmm. they're amazing. The only sort, of, the yeah. only right, the only bad thing that I found about this table that I've got, they like they basically they loaned it to me because we we would do Geek Pride stuff on it. Mm. Um, um, and obviously I've never taken it back, so it's just it's <laughs> hilarious. It's awesome. It's fine, fine. Now he knows. <laughs> well, I think you know. I'm hopefully they they don't take it back because you know I'm I'm planning to do stuff on it at some point. I've been saying this for a while, but a lot of shit's been going on. But anyway, um, they the one the only bad thing that I found about that table was it's got these wooden slats um that so you've got basically three layers to it you have yep. a perspex layer where you can put like maps uh and things yep. under and you can you grind it you've got the uh, padded sort of uh layer uh underneath the table uh for like playing games and then you have um a slats on top so you can make a proper table so you can have your games yep. underneath and then you can put the slats on top and it's just like okay. and it's awesome because you can you know it's the idea mm. like i remember when they delivered it to me and i was just like i ran up and i gave it a massive hug my girlfriend friend at the time got so jealous like proper jealous she's like you know you've ever been so excited about anything in your life i was like you have no idea how beautiful this yeah. thing is this is like this is like everything i've ever wanted in a table it's just sort of it's just it's like it made me emotional and like i was yeah. talking to martin the guy he runs geek and stone yeah. i was like this is a beautiful thing <laughs> so beautiful yeah. the only downside was um i had it in storage and stuff uh, like i said loads of shit came on i had to go in storage for a bit yeah, yeah. and over time um the wood has expanded slightly um and so the slats didn't fit in the uh the slats didn't fit properly in in the thing so i had to basically get a jigsaw and cut one of them so it would fit in properly now they did sort of send me a new one but then again over time it sort of expanded slightly and stuff so Mm. it's something that sort of had to be you know buried in mind still a beautiful beautiful thing 
so oh, the beautiful too. Oh yeah. yeah, it's not me. I have to convince it's it's Kalia. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. I just like you know the well, practical. That's the thing though. Some of the stuff we were looking at doing, and some of the ideas that we came up with in that session, and Martin was saying, "Well, how come no one's done this stuff?" Well, like, maybe because no one's an expert woodworker with the factory behind him. Exactly. It's yeah. like. Actually, oh yeah, there is that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's such a nice that. guy as well. If I could make this stuff as well as you do, I would. Yeah. But I can't, so I settle for buying it from you. Yeah. You know, simple as that. Beautiful things. You know? Like, I just, the, you know, I've never been, like, when they first delivered that to me, I was just like, oh, but it's so amazing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. I love it. You can't go wrong with them. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> Right, um, I think we're gonna have to call it there and stuff. Uh, is mm, going for about good. an hour and a half. Um, so it's really appreciate that. It's been very, very interesting. Superb um, evening. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. You're more than welcome to come back. Um, uh, for tonight, I've been Matt Geary. With me has been Peter Allison. Good night, everyone. And John Dodd. And good night, everyone. Have a good nice night. Bye. Bye. Bye.